0: to the book of Ecclesiastes, we start a new series this morning. I want to introduce you to this book, and then I want to go through verse by verse. And I, I'm going to go ahead and go out on a limb and say I will not be in the book of Ecclesiastes as long as some people are in the book of Colossians. <laughs> uh, but uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll move on through at a, uh, a faster cliff than that. But this morning I do want to introduce you to this book and uh, have us think about it. Um, I don't know if you're like me, but I I like to, uh, in this day and age anyway, read multiple news sites uh, every morning. And it's interesting when you do that, that you'll see the same lead story a lot of times uh, on four different sites, but there's a different slant and there's a different emphasis. And then you're left sitting there thinking, who's right? Who's, who's got the right perspective if you don't know the story who's who's telling you the truth how do we know what to believe how do we know what's really going on and ecclesiastes comes to stop the insanity it is a book god has given us to address lots of issues in society because we're we're living during a time when much of it just seems to be vain that's the reoccurring theme of this book vanity vanity it's all vanity but how do we stop it how do we get beyond it how do we know what's right how do we know the truth and stop the vanity that seems to be filtering through our heads let me just introduce you to a few passages i'm just kind of kind of let the um the spirit lead me i'm not going to read the whole book but i want you to begin getting a a flavor for this book the the author calls himself the preacher and the preacher is searching for value so that he can replace the vanity with the value and i want you to see some big categories he starts to search through Um, first of all he goes to science Look at chapter 1, beginning at verse 4. A generation goes, a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. Also, the sun rises, the sun sets, and hastening to its place, it rises there again, blowing towards the south, then turning towards the north. The wind continues swirling along, and on its circular course, the wind returns. So he's talking about scientific stuff that's happening. Can we go and do science? And figure this vain world out. Well, he moves beyond science to uh, even start philosophically thinking. Look over at chapter 1, verse 13. I set my mind to seek and explore by wisdom concerning all that's been done under heaven. And he goes through some stuff there, just starting to think. I just want to sit back and be the philosopher. I want to think about this world and all that's gone on. So he does a, a search through science. I think he does a search. calls it here wisdom through the philosophy and the wisdom of men. You get to chapter 2, and he begins doing this search through pleasure. And when we think of pleasure, we think perhaps maybe of sexual pleasure, but he has so much more in this text than that. He says uh, to himself, chapter 2, verse 1, he says... Come now, I will test you myself with pleasure. I want to search and find out if pleasure is the answer to it all. So enjoy yourself. And behold, that too was futility. Another word for vanity. And it goes on, he says, I, I sought out the pleasures of laughter. It's madness. And of pleasure, what, what does it accomplish? I explored with my mind how to stimulate my body with wine. Um... My mind was guiding me wisely in how to take hold of folly until I could see what good there is in this, uh, for the sons of men to do under heaven in the few years of their lives. I enlarged my works. So he talks about the pleasures of construction, the, the pleasures of building something, accomplishing something. He talks about gardens, building parks, building ponds of water. A growing trees, having female slaves, having other uh, slaves, having silver, having gold—all of these things bring pleasure, and he goes to all of them. Will that stop the vanity? Can I find one thing that will make my life make sense? So he seeks the science, the philosophy, the pleasure. Uh, he he seeks um, just. Let me see. Chap, uh, chapter two goes on, verses eighteen. Uh, I hated all the fruit of my labor. He starts thinking about his labor. He he really discusses here materialism. What if I accomplish getting a lot of stuff? Will that stop the vanity? And goes through the rest of chapter 2 with that and doesn't uh, really get there. Chapter 3, he deals with fatalism. You might not have thought about it this way, but this is that classic time. There's a time for everything. And the bottom line is, time for everything. In other words, case okay, Sarah sirrah What will be, will be. Just a time for it. It's going to come. It's going to go. Done. Fatalism. And there are a lot of people today that get in that trap of fatalism. Well, he moves from fatalism to deism. Um, chapter uh, 3, beginning... Uh, after that, that section, really down in verse 16, um, for a couple of chapters, he's dealing with deism. And deism is, is studying the, the natural laws and following what you consider to be the natural laws of the universe. And he goes through some of those. Is that going to bring my life meaning? Then chapter 5, he's dealing with religion. How about ritual religion? Will that stop the vanity? And he goes through a section on just seeking out religion. Chapter 5, towards the middle, down about verse 9, he begins talking about the advantages of wealth. How about we search out wealth? We just figure out the ways to get wealthy. Will that stop the vanity? And then he goes beyond that to chapter 7 to morality. What if we just become good old boys? What if we all just strive for morality? Being good people, loving people, will that stop the vanity? Well, you begin to see now how this book's playing out. Think about it with any issue you want to pick up. Think about the pandemic we've been in just for a minute. What what have we collectively as a people, as as an America, done? Well, we said, well, let's go to the science. And let's see if that gives us some understanding of the virus. And if that doesn't do it, we say, "Well, let's 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 go to um, philosophy. Let's think about the reasons for it, and maybe that will stop." How about we just pursue pleasure the best we can in the midst of all of this? And we go there. How about we figure out ways to get wealthy while everybody else is getting poor? We think about wealth and we think about materialism and how to take advantage. Of these times and maybe that will bring us uh, some sort of understanding some of us are fatalist said so I don't know what, where it came from don't know what's going to happen but what's going to happen is going to happen you know and, and, and we just stop there some of us are looking for these natural laws that's going to make sense see the Ecclesiastes is addressing the kind of stuff that goes on in our head and how to think about it rightly how to stop this insanity because you can go through all of that and it doesn't necessarily bring you the meaning that you're looking for well hope that kind of introduces you a little bit to the book and begins to show you its value it's 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 the right book for a time like now two teachers i want you to remember as we go through this book there's the i'm gonna call him the greater teacher of the book, in the greater teacher, he introduces himself, or describes himself as the preacher. He never tells us his name. So he's called the preacher in the book. Some of you, uh, older translations calls him Koheleth, uh, the Hebrew term for preacher. Preacher, and by the way, is one who calls an assembly together to give them the message of God. Ecclesiastes literally means "one who calls an assembly. So the book is about a preacher who calls an assembly together. And he's calling this assembly to give them a message from God. Well, who is he? Knowing who he is helps us sit at his feet and appreciate the words here. Look at chapter 1, the first couple of verses. The words of the preacher, or Koheleth, the son of David, king in Jerusalem, Vanity of vanity, says the preacher. Vanity of vanity, all is vanity. Well, who is he? I mean, there's not too many sons of David who are also king in Jerusalem. So he's describing himself, and he begins to give us a description. Say, well, it sounds like Solomon to me. Well, is it, verse 12, I, the preacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem? Again, the one that was following David in Jerusalem that is Solomon chapter 2 verse 4 I enlarged my works I built houses for myself I planted vineyards for myself Um, again Solomon did that I made gardens verse 5 and parks for myself I planted in them all kinds of fruit trees Solomon did that I made ponds of water uh, irrigation system for Jerusalem. Uh, verse 7, I, brought, I bought male and female slaves and home-born slaves. I also possessed flocks, larger um, herds larger than all who preceded me in Jerusalem. So he's still in Jerusalem, all these flocks. Also I collected for myself silver and gold and treasure of kings and provinces. I provided for myself male and female singers and the pleasures of men and many concubines. All of that, Solomon did. It just, it's hard to, to look at this passage and say it's, it's anybody but Solomon. Um, one more, chapter 12, verse 9. In addition to being a wise man, the preacher also taught the people knowledge. And he pondered and he searched out and arranged many proverbs. Well, the book of Proverbs in our Bible, written mostly by Solomon. Uh, And he owns that description in chapter 12 as well. So it it seems to me um, the writer, the preacher here, has got to be Solomon. Knowing that, look at uh, Proverbs. He says he wrote Proverbs. Look at Proverbs chapter 1. And I want you to think about Solomon's wisdom uh, as, as, as we read this text. Proverbs 1, the first seven verses. The Proverbs of Solomon. The son of David, king of Israel, same description. To know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding, to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the naive, to the youth, knowledge, and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire counsel." To understand a proverb and a figure. The words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now as you think about that. You say wow that's that's a powerful statement. And the person who made it is the same person who's writing the book of Ecclesiastes. He's telling us as he does the Proverbs as well as Ecclesiastes, I'm going to be searching out wisdom. I'm going to try to find out how to stop the insanity. I'm going to take you down a road. I have the wherewithal. I have the mental ability. I have the financial resources. I am keen over Jerusalem. I have the power to really search out and find what's what. So I'm going to do it. But I'm going to do it for the purpose of gathering an assembly and, and sharing it. And I want you to learn from me. And I want you to learn wisdom. I want you to have the insights that God is giving me. And that's going to help us. And the beginning place, the starting place, is to sit at the feet of Jesus. To fear the Lord. Because that's the beginning of wisdom and he starts us there so that's why i wanted to call him the greater teacher because he begins to point us to a great to the greatest teacher who is Christ alone but just take for a moment the greater teacher solomon if he's the wisest person that's ever walked the earth outside of christ wouldn't it be smart to sit at his feet and say i need to re- i need to read what he's wrote I need to learn from him, especially if God chose him to take him down this journey that I go down every week. Should I believe the science? Should I believe the philosophy? Should I believe the materialism? Should I seek the wealth? Should I do any of these things? We go through that journey. And here's one who's done it for us and taken it to the end and we need to consider him and sit at Solomon's feet that's why Ecclesiastes is something for us to say this is exciting to go through and listen to the words of Solomon a wise man to sit at his feet and learn from him well as I I think about that I thought about the book of Proverbs it tells you there in the verses I read that it was written for your learning and understanding especially it's written even for youth that's going to set you on the right path and course I don't know, why don't you, uh, some of you maybe you are looking for a Bible plan. Why not read one chapter out of the book of Proverbs every day for the rest of the year and the next year too maybe. 31 chapters, usually about 31 days in a month. Read a chapter a day. Read through the whole book of Proverbs about 12 times. I guarantee you'll come out of that with wisdom and understanding it's designed to grow us up in the grace and knowledge of christ and so many times we think i could never get smarter i can't do it it's as easy as a chapter a day and god can teach us through solomon he will teach us through the book of ecclesiastes go to matthew 12 verse 42 the greatest teacher matthew 12 Verse 42. Solomon, by the way, you may remember this story. Um, Queen of Sheba was living during Solomon's day and she was a queen. She kept hearing about all of that construction that he was doing in Jerusalem, how wise and smart he was. So she took her... uh, Cohorts, and she went to Jerusalem. I got to see this. We're seeing the biggest thing that's ever happened in the world, and it's happening under Solomon. She gets there, and she makes this declaration. She says, "The half has only been told." She says, "People have been telling me about Solomon. He is so much smarter, doing so much more than I than, than the world even half knows." And Ecclesiastes is kind of the sum of that. But here's Jesus responding to that scenario. Um, Matthew 12, verse 42. The queen of the south will rise up with this generation at the judgment. And will condemn it. Because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. Jesus says... If Solomon were living, surely you'd be smart as the queen and you'd go and sit at his feet. But Solomon's dead. He's not living now in Jerusalem. He said, Jesus is I am. Something greater than Solomon is here. Jesus Christ himself. And if you got any sense about you at all, you would be sitting at his feet and learning from Jesus. And if you don't learn from Jesus, he says, I'm going to use the Queen of the South, the Queen of, sheep, uh, of to to come and rise up at judgment and say, you were dumb. I went and saw Solomon. You had the chance to see Jesus and you passed that up. Stupid. It's literally her condemnation. So we must come to the words of Solomon. We must come to the words of Jesus. And we must hear what God wants us to hear so that we stop this insanity. In other words, don't just look at the multiple news sites for your wisdom and information. We must also be turning daily to Christ and be turning to the wisdom books that God has given us To help stop the insanity, the vanity that seems to be all around us. Well, I want to leave you with some application beyond that this morning. So let me pick four themes in the book of Ecclesiastes. We'll come back through the book verse by verse. But let me give you four themes as I've read and reread the book. Things that seem to just keep emerging over and over. That the greater and greatest teacher uh, is giving us. Number one... Our routines must be surrendered to God's direction and control. Our routines, what you do every day with your spouse, with your children, with your parents, with your school, with your work. All of our routines must be subdued to God's direction and control or your life will be vain. Vanity, vanity will be your life if you don't learn how to submit subdue your routines to God's direction and God's control Uh, we read verse 1 and 2 that the vanity of it all verse 14 of chapter 1 I've seen all the works which I have been done which have been done under the sun and behold all is vanity striving after wind Um, The word vanity um, has sometimes been translated as wind. It's, 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 It's like a vapor. It's like blowing smoke. It's just gone. You can't grab it. How much of our life is like that? It's what we lived yesterday. It's gone. And we can't grab it and say it's sticking around and it's significant and it's of value. And over and over through this book, he talks about that, that life is doesn't stick how, how do how do we make it stick i found an interesting quote from sir leonard wolf that i wrote down i just thought man he he summed it up uh, sir leonard wolf is a british statesman so we're we're electing uh this week i've already voted by the way just i feel free you know uh, just love that you can do this uh absentee ballot kind of thing and still be present in covid so it, it was cool But anyway, we're electing statesmen, men and women, to political office and power. Sir Leonard Wolfe was one of those political leaders in, um, in Britain. And he makes this statement that I wrote down. He says, looking back at the age of 88, so this is an old man. He's looking back, and he's looking at his life and trying to evaluate it. He says, over the 57 years of my political work in England, so 57 years in office, of some sort, knowing what I aim for and the results, I see clearly that I have achieved practically nothing. Think you'll get elected to the next term? I spent 57 years and I've achieved practically nothing. Hmm, not a good statement. The world today and the history of the human anthill during the last 57 years would be exactly the same if I had played ping pong instead of sitting on committees and writing books and memorandum. I have accumulated approximately 200,000 hours of perfectly useless work. Wow. Would you want to be 88 saying that? Are we going to be any different? When you look back at your work, is it a value? Or your time on Earth? Could you have spent your time on Earth playing ping pong and accomplished as much as you're accomplishing now? Many people have to say, Sir Leonard Wolfe is like me. Practically nothing is remaining. It's vain if I've spent my days on earth and really not accomplished what my creator has designed me to accomplish. We need to escape that. Vain living. We've got to get to a place where our time here means something and it's significant and it has value. How will our lives be summed up give you the clue as we think about this when, when you look at chapter three of the book there's a um it's a time for everything time to give birth time to plant time to kill time to weep time to mourn time to throw stones it just goes on and, on and on and one of the conclusions you should come to as you read that chapter three is that our seasons are in the hands of god we go through seasons there's time for this time for that there's different seasons that we go through But our seasons are in the hands of God. We can't stop those seasons. They're coming. And we're going to live through them. What can we do in the seasons of life that God gives us? And the focus needs to be, remember the principle that's going through this book, is how to subdue our routines to God's direction and control. Why? Because God is the one in charge of the harvest of the seasons every season there's an opportunity for a new harvest you plant something you have an opportunity for it to grow and produce fruit and god is the one in control of the harvest let me give you a few verses look at first corinthians 15 58 first corinthians 15 58 Great passage to memorize. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain. See, we're trying to escape that. Not in vain in the Lord. There's going to be a harvest. And if our work is in the Lord, then it won't be vanity. We've got to learn how to take our work, whatever our routine is, and get it into Christ, and Christ into it. Because in the Lord, we can escape this vain existence of living, playing ping pong, instead of doing something of value. Now look at Matthew 6. Matthew 6, 19-21. Jesus speaking, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus is introducing us, I could, we could go through more in the, um, the book of Ecclesiastes, To a harvest, store up for yourself in your routines of life. Make sure they're under God's direction. God is controlling you to do what you're doing. Because if you are doing, you're laying up for yourself treasures in heaven. That's where the harvest is. There's going to come a time where we will die, we will face God. And when we face God, what's the value of your life? How have you been doing on earth? What will you have to show at that point? Well, Lord, this was done in your name. This is why I raised my kids in Christ. I raised them for you. Cha ching, great, reward in heaven. See, there was a routine subdued to Christ. Lord, my business, my work was for you. And I directed it according to your word. And God says, The harvest, let me show you the harvest of that. See, if we're not doing what we are doing, whatever the routine is, what's your relationship like with your spouse? What's your relationship like with your neighbor? What's your relationship like with your church? That which is in Christ, that which is taught in Christ, produces a harvest. It allows you to escape the vanity. One of the things I've been preaching for the last eight, nine months is is my passion is as as you respond to the pandemic, is how how to think through God's word. What is God's word? What What are the principles in God's word that are directing you? If you don't have God's word directing you, it's vain, it's empty. You're going through this pandemic, and it's going to be worthless. It's going to be useless. We don't want that. I don't want anyone to go through life with no value, no significance. And that's why the the suicides are skyrocketing, because so many people are going through with no significance, no value. We can stop that. But the way to stop that is to subdue all your routines to the direction. Meaning, God, tell me what to do. I'll search until you direct me. God, control me. Don't just give me the directions. Give me the power through your spirit to do it for you. And as you do your routines for Christ, then there's a harvest of value. And you escape the insignificance. That others might lead you down. All right, second principle. True learning must begin and end with God. There's a search for wisdom throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. And I don't want you to think it's a selfish uh, search. So many verses. I'll, I'll just get one. Uh, chapter 2, verse 12. So I turn to consider wisdom, madness, and folly. For what will a man do who will come after the king? except what's already been done. It just shows you a little bit of the the preacher's heart. He says, I know I'm going to search out these things, but I want to do it for the man who comes after me. What is he going to do with what I uncover? I want to give him something that's smart, something that's wise. I want to direct him. Uh, His passion is not a selfish search for wisdom. His passion is that we learn from him to seek true wisdom. We have many people telling us what's what. And many of us fall into the trap of following certain gurus. This is how you can um, play the markets. This is how you can game the system. This is how you can uh, become wealthy. This is how you can become uh, healthy. This is how you can become skinny, whatever. Those are the gurus. A lot of times we say, it's their program, it's their method that is wise. And we follow these programs and methodologies, and we miss true wisdom. And the book is over and over, begins to expose that it's not the methods, and it's not the formulas, is not where wisdom is found. But again, it comes back to Christ and His Word. All truth is God's truth. But what if you, all you got was more and more knowledge you remember the love passage that i've spent some time on here first corinthians 13 let me remind you of just a quick verse there first corinthians 13 verse 2 if i have the gift of prophecy and i know all the mysteries and have all knowledge if i have all faith so as to remove mountains but i do not have love i am what nothing empty vanity again How do we escape that vanity? We don't escape it by just getting knowledge of methods and programs and formulas to redirect our life. We need more than the methods and the programs uh, to follow. We need, remember Proverbs 1 verse 7, the beginning of wisdom is the Lord. Worshiping the Lord. The fear of the Lord, respecting the Lord, honoring the Lord. Education must begin and end with the Lord. So in our search for a better routine, a better practice, a better life, is yours beginning with the Lord. Because if it doesn't begin there, you're still going to end up vain. And you don't want that. And I don't want that for you. The preacher does not want that for you. There's so many traps of human wisdom. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Um, I love the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. This passage shares some of that. And if you haven't received Christ, you haven't received His Spirit. When you receive His Spirit, you begin to see things. You can begin your search of education with Christ. Look at 1 Corinthians 2, verse 6. It says, Yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature, a wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away. In other words, our wisdom, we didn't get it just from smart men or from the leaders. Verse 7. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined. Before the ages to our glory. Lots of times people talk about predestination and want to get controversial about it. I never hear anybody say, I want to talk to you this morning about predestination. The predestination of wisdom. What? That's what he said. God predestined this hidden wisdom before the ages to our glory. God has determined that his people have something. The non-Christian, the world does not have. We have something in our mind and hearts. Through His Spirit. Verse 8. The wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord. If you get what we get, you would never put down Jesus. Never. You would be praising Him. Verse 9. But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ears not heard, which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love Him. For to us God revealed... Past tense. Then through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. Wow. Sometimes we reserve that verse for heaven. What eyes not seen, ears not heard. And he's saying, no, no, no. You get some of that now. On earth. What people around you, the people in the news reports, they haven't seen it. They haven't heard it yet. Yet you have. Because God's revealed it to you. We must start our education that way. God, open up to me. I, I like to read some um, or, or say Psalm one nineteen verse one sixteen. A lot of times before I read the Bible, oh Lord, let me behold wonderful things from Your law. Open it up to me, reveal it to me, and God's Spirit does that. Have you ever sat down by a non-Christian and started reading the Bible with them, and you, you start explaining, they 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 poke you and say, how do you know that? How do you understand that? And the answer is, Jesus is in me. And his spirit speaks to me. And he's opened this up to me. It's the wisdom the world doesn't have. And sometimes we foolishly go seeking the world's wisdom as though it's the best thing going. No, 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 no. Eyes not seen, ears not heard. What God has. We have so much more. Have you ever plunged the depths of the wisdom of God. And yet we have a teacher in Christ for just such a thing as that. We need godly teachers. We need godly counselors. We need people who are deep in the word of God to teach us the things of God. It enables us to escape the vanity of life. It's one of the things throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. Number three, human experience is inadequate without God's revelation human experience is inadequate without god's revelation chapter 11 of ecclesiastes verses 3 through 5 says if the clouds are full they pour out rain upon the earth and whether a tree falls to the south or towards the north whether the tree falls there it lies isn't that profound i I can't wait to preach that to you uh When a tree falls, it goes north or south. It just lays there. He who watches the wind will not sow, and he who looks at the clouds will not reap. Just as you don't know the path of the wind and how the bones are formed in the wombs of the pregnant woman. So you don't know the activity of God who makes all things, literally those things that he was just talking about. Thinking about that, how many of us understand it? We try to escape the vanity, like I said, by at times going to gurus. We want somebody who's been there, done that, and got the t-shirt. But there's so much more than experience. You know, have you ever um, sat by somebody grieving and they say, you just don't know what I'm going through. And I think, you're right, I don't, I haven't been there. But that's not what I want to talk about right now. I want to talk about the principle that you think, and I wouldn't do this to a grieving person, but we often think that experience alone makes us wise. You have to have experienced it to be my teacher. And God's Word says, no, 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 no! you don't have to have experienced it to be the teacher. God can give us things without us necessarily having experienced it and there's so much more to be gotten how many of you know uh, what chapter 13 i mean uh chapter 11 3 through 5 was talking about how how many know the path of the wind god god does how do how many of you know uh, where the tree lies that just fell down in the woods god does god knows these things And can teach us these things without us being there. How many knows how God forms a bone in a mother's womb? God does. He knows these things and he wants us to realize that our experience will never get us there. I'm never gonna hang out in a mother's womb and find out how bones are made. You know, it's like, nah, it's crazy, it's not gonna happen. You don't have to experience that. To become a doctor and understand what to do with bones. He says, Let me show you that God knows so much more. How many of you really understand family? How many of us really understand what happens at death and beyond? How many of us have plunged the depths of worship and how it's warfare and all that God does when His church gathers for worship? How many of us really understand fellowship, how iron? really sharpens iron. How many of us have been equipped through things that we've never quite understood? Second Timothy three, sixteen and seventeen, popular passage says this. All scripture inspired, God breathed, comes out of God, and it's profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness. Catch this, so that the man of God may be adequately equipped for every good work what equips us what thoroughly furnishes us for every good work our experience God says no the scripture I will thoroughly furnish you for every good work through the word of God if you'll get into the word of God our experience will always come up lacking But God's word will never be insufficient. Our experience will always come up lacking. But God's word will never be insufficient to show you what you need to live a life of significance. And to escape the vanity. Number four, redeeming value is only possible with God in the picture. The last two verses of the book of Ecclesiastes sums up, This point, chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. The conclusion, when all has been heard, is fear God, keep His commandments. Because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it's good or evil. So it's all going to come to light at some point. Everything we've done, said, uh, where we've been. Um, And when that happens, There's a standard. Did you fear God? Did you keep his commandments? Were you engaged in his honor and his worship? And were you doing it according to his laws, his commands? All of that's going to come about at some point. And those who say, no, I didn't do that. Vanity, vanity. Then it's all vanity. Those who can respond in that revealing of our lives... All that I did, I did directed by God, controlled by God, for God, for His glory. I sought His wisdom, His direction. Then God's going to say, there's a remaining value. Let me show you now what it is. and begins to open up to us in eternity, built upon works and lives lived here on earth. Life is not in vain. There's coming a revelation of that. And we want to be in that group where there's such huge value. I I like to just say, keep God in the picture. Is God in the picture? Where's God in your marriage? Where's God in your child rearing? Where's God in the picture? Where's God at your work? Where's God in your walk around the neighborhood? Where's God in your Sundays, your Sabbath day? Where's God in your recreation? Where's God in your television viewing? Where's God in your internet time? Where's God in how to lead you through this pandemic? Is God in the picture? Only when God's in the picture as God, as Lord, as Savior, is there value. And we escape the vanity of this life. Keep God in the picture. Without that, Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time in your word. There's so much more here. Obviously, it's a a big book. But we've got enough. We've got enough. You've given us Christ that we might live. Let us be subdued to Christ. Christ for those, Father, in our family, for those in this room, for those online, for those that we love and care for deeply, those who are living life without value. Lord, may they see Christ in us. May we minister to them. May we show them love. May we show them grace. May they come to see there is significance and in value just by the way we are living, by the way God is always in us and around us and working through us. Lord, help us to see the significance of that and not try to escape the life change that's in us. May we always be giving you praise and adoration. Father, forgive us for trying to do life without you, trying to remove your directions from controlling us. Let us get back to the wisdom found in your word, and stop the insanity, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.